Did you hear that? I can't believe it. Is it really happening? F society's finally over. The recent glitch in the otherwise neat reality I created over the years. I'll never slip up like that again. I'm gonna be more normal now. Maybe Shayla could even be my girlfriend. I'll go see those stupid Marvel movies with her. I'll join a gym. I'll heart things on Instagram. I'll drink vanilla lattes. I'm gonna lead a bug-free life from now on. Anything to protect my perfect maze. I'm so excited to be here for another episode of the Hello Friend podcast, a podcast all about the series, Mr. Robot. Today, we're here to talk about the third episode of season one called Debug. I'm here with Henry. My name is Margaret. Henry, this episode was pretty fast moving and had a lot of really awesome themes. What did you think of Debug? I thought a lot about bugs and the bugs in my life, both uh, software and otherwise. And I think that's really the kind of theme for this episode is an examination of bugs that we have in our life. And in a lot of ways, it really goes in deeper to some of the themes that were introduced in the previous week, ones and zeros in terms of what is control and what it does it mean to really have free will and choices. Because in some ways, bugs are looked at as not only opportunities for learning, but also the thing that sort of makes people tick in some ways and makes them unique to who they are. And keeping these bugs secret is something that's revealed to be of great importance to Elliot. And really, as the episode unwinds, we learned about the importance of protecting bugs as a means of control, because that's really what Elliot exploits is bugs. That's how he's able to gain control. And in turn, he guards his bugs very closely because he's afraid the control that he gives to others. And of course, a lot of people probably already know this who are listening, but in computer lingo, a bug is usually seen as a defect or as not an intended feature of something that you're building in terms of a software or some kind of process. And debugging is when you try to figure out what that problem is and, and eradicate it or find workarounds around it. And as people in technology know, sometimes it's both a bug and a feature. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Margaret, you've heard sometimes in your professional career, someone try to claim that something's a feature, not a bug. Oh yeah, I joke about that kind of all the time. It used to be really devastating back in the CD-ROM days to release a product that had a bug in it because it would often involve expensive patches or reissuing entire CD-ROMs. But now that most of software can be downloaded online, I think there's been a lot more of a mellow attitude towards bugs. Bugs do often sometimes evolve into features as well. Sure. I, I think the difference in the state of the product when you ship it that you alluded to in terms of the way it was with CD-ROM versus now, I think we've seen examples of video games get released where it wouldn't have gotten close to being released five to ten years ago, but it's released now because there's this idea that we can patch it, we can fix it along the way, that as Elliot talks about, the bugs will evolve to be something better and the product can get better once it's out versus being 
flawed but private. Yeah, and this particular episode dealt a lot with various themes of what it means to lead a normal life. We get a much closer glimpse into Turell's life. And we also find out in a very interesting sensationalist way that Jessica Alba is signed up for F Society. She's a believer. (laughs) Exactly. They got their first celebrity endorser. They are clearly part of the popular zeitgeist. So this was written by Sam Esmail, the show creator, and directed by Jim McKay. And we open onto this really intense scene where we see Terrell practicing a speech about how he is going to be the best next CTO of Evil Corp. And we learn a lot about him in this opening scene. Yeah, it was. It reminded me a lot of American Psycho, right? This kind of uh, guy preparing to be something that he's not quite authentic about, um, but trying to be very, very determined in the way that he presents it to others. And this reminded me of a few things too. So uh, first of all, he was so hard on himself and he was slapping himself as he was practicing and not getting his lines right. And he was scolding himself, don't be a cold robot. His shirts are all color coded, which I actually took as inspiration and I color coded all of my closet (laughs) to match Terrell. (laughs) And then there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about if this was familiar. So when Terrell goes to Evil Corps headquarters for his big meeting where he's all ready to deliver the speech and the receptionist offers Terrell Pellegrino or tea, as soon as that happened to me, I was like, oh, he's in trouble. Because the minute when you go to these big meetings and they push food on you, that's often not a good sign. It's a sign that you're going to be waiting for a while, right? It's... uh... The person managing the schedules attempt to pad the schedule to buy time. Yes, it was such a disappointment to Terrell that he was overlooked when he found out that they found a candidate for CTO. It's funny because the executive who was speaking with Terrell, again, this is a very East Coast tech company. It belongs in Manhattan because if you think about somebody like Eric Schmidt, Eric Schmidt is more likely to wear a reflective mirror vest with a hat with a feather in it like he did at this future event a few weeks ago than he is a real button-up suit like that. And so it seems otherworldly almost as far as a tech company goes. Sure. And the fact that he complimented him on his tie, they're like the maker <laughs> of his tie. Nobody wears a tie in Silicon Valley, right? So the idea that somehow some executive would be complimenting his CTO on the choice of brand of tie. It just, it's a very East Coast thing. Yeah. And then we see Terrell take his anchor out on some poor guy he hires to allow him to beat the crap out of him. What do you think makes Terrell tick? What is motivating him? Ambition, control. I think uh, those are the two things that come immediately to mind. I was Comparing the way that Torell dealt with setbacks and disappointments to Elliot, that Elliot goes and sees a psychiatrist and sits in the office and pays this woman, you know, a couple hundred dollars an hour, and Elliot uh, and Torell spends the same amount of money to pay a homeless man to let him get beaten up, right? Uh, to let Torell beat him up. I was just thinking about the difference that those those two have. It's really interesting to see how they are in some ways so much alike, but they're playing on completely opposite sides of the table thus far. 
and and in a way, like when you think about the things that Elliot has done to the psychiatrist, like he drove off her uh, boyfriend who was cheating on her, but he drove her drove him off, uh, had him reveal everything to her so that she learned to make wiser decisions, and puts his psychiatrist through some tough stuff, and. When I start thinking about that versus a homeless guy who gets beaten up, I don't know. Like, it seems less clear which one's better or worse in some respects. Is that terrible? No, it's not. And Tyrell and Elliot have a similar level of arrogance. Like, they know people better than they know themselves. And also the attempt to then manipulate outcomes based on that sense of arrogance, right? Once you feel like you know better, then you also feel like you know better what the outcome should be. Then it comes an issue of what do I need to do to affect the outcome so that things turn out quote unquote right. Speaking of which, we cut to Elliot, who is in the hospital, presumably after his nasty fall the previous in the previous episode of Coney Island due to Mr. Robot being so insensitive and pushing him over. Here we get to have an initial glimpse into Elliot's thoughts about bugs, where he says debugging is about finding the bug and understanding that its existence was no accident. It came to you to to deliver a message. Now that's highly philosophical. Yeah, and he then goes on to say that bugs are, you know, will force evolution, will force things to get better. And that then... But that then then he follows that up by saying that he hides his bug away in a maze. It makes you wonder about how he really feels about the process of improvement and evolution when it comes to himself. Yes, and how complex is that maze? How how many facets is he hiding away and potentially even from himself and from everyone around him? And the assumptions he makes about other people's mazes and bugs and how quickly he might dismiss other people only to learn in Sheila's case, for example, that she was hiding quite a lot, that not all of her life was there to be consumed online. I thought that was beautiful because Shayla is the only one so far who has surprised Elliot because he thought he knew it all. And he thought he knew it all because he assumed her whole life was online. And here she has this entire beautiful art that she creates that she just does it for the pure joy of it and doesn't need to feel good about herself by throwing it up on Instagram. Yeah. And she is this really interesting character in the, in the sense of like, I think about what she represents, like this maternal figure, this figure that supplies him with things that he desperately needs, the morphine, the companionship, the understanding, the fact that he's able to reveal all these secrets about himself to this person. Uh, it's, it's interesting the role that she's taking on in his life. The fact that she was written as his emergency contact, I think it points to that. And I loved in the hospital when Elliot was sort of talking to us as the unreliable narrator. He said, I chose this hospital because, first of all, hospitals are so easy to hack. This one especially. Look at this guy, head of IT, William Highsmith. He's also an idiot. And it it comes out that they spend $7,000 a year on security. (laughs) (laughs) That was this Batman moment, right? You talked about the similarities with Batman before. And it's like that moment uh, when 
the hero reveals that he's not quite as down and out as you might think, that the hero has asserted his heroic powers to actually take control of the situation when you might think that he's lost control. Yes. And how many organizations right now are still running on Windows 98 and spend $7,000 a year on security? I know I've worked some places that you would think would have much higher security and they just don't. And it's always surprising. So when you hear things like the Sony hack, for example, it's kind of not surprising. No, that's it's not surprising. It's something that people should be more aware of. There was an organization that I ran across in law school um, that was an outgrowth of a computer, computing scientist for professional responsibility. I can't remember the exact acronyms, but there was a group called Private Terra that did uh, computer security consulting for human rights organizations. And they told me that in some of the most uh, egregious cases that there were governments hacking into uh, human rights organizations in Central and South America where they hadn't changed the default network password. And so that, that allowed the government to uh, read all of their email and other private data. And they only contacted them when they got suspicious after the government kept picking up their informants, kept breaking up their meetings. And they started to get really suspicious about how the government was able to anticipate their actions. And so they called the group in. And they did the security analysis and discovered this flaw. Totally. And even just the other day, I read an article that was about the LinkedIn hack. I mean, LinkedIn is always getting hacked, right? And it summarized the top passwords, or it summarized the number of times people use things like the word password for their password, or, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and it's in the tens of thousands of times. <laughs> so I think this might be the part of the podcast where we try to do our bit for the greater good of society and encourage people to have strong passwords, not to use the same password for every single website and to take advantage of the password manager programs out there to help manage uh, the passwords because it's very important. Yes, uh, I just discovered LastPass for password management. I use um, password managers based on the open source KDB protocol. Uh, the reason why I use that is it allows me to use different clients on different platforms. So they have different KDB clients for Mac, for Linux, for PC, also for iOS and Android. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. And we're quickly end up back at Elliot's apartment where he has to kick Darlene out again. <laughs> it seems to be an ongoing theme where Darlene just feels the need to rain on Elliot's uh, parade. Yes. And again, he starts telling us what he thinks about bugs. A bug is never just a mistake. It's an error thinking that makes you who you are. Most coders think debugging software is about fixing a mistake, but that's bullshit. Debugging is actually all about finding the bug, about understanding why the bug was there to begin with, about knowing that its existence was no accident. It came to you to deliver a message, like an unconscious bubble floating to the surface, popping with a revelation you've secretly known all along. And we also find out that through Elliot's actions, Fernando Vera is in jail. So he actually went beyond his self-interest because his self-interest kind of pointed to letting the situation continue so that he'd get the suboxone. But he actually decided that he was going to get rid of 
someone who was threatening his dealer. And then, of course, we encounter Angela. And I was wondering if this is what Angela's bug was. She ended up helping somebody who was stealing another person's wallet. She helped the guy pick it up after he dropped it, or she returned it to the to the robber after he dropped it. And it makes you wonder if her bug is her almost innocence and willingness to trust people. She's willing to not be so innocent and helpful when it, she learns about the situation Ollie's in and what he's being asked to do uh, to not have his identity stolen and her, and her dad, identity stolen. Her identity and her dad's identity. Did you feel like that was a bit of a plot hole? Um, I, I thought, I don't know. It, it, there's, I don't know quite how I feel about that particular plot development yet. I think it's interesting that she would be so such a goody two shoes when it comes to returning someone's wallet um, and interjecting herself into that situation. And then when it comes to violating the security of her client, she's okay with that. Yeah. Well, you know, according to Ollie, you're too good for the world. That's probably why he loves her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Ollie, we all know an Ollie, I guess. Um, and, and maybe that's her bug, right? Like maybe her bug is she doesn't see the obvious thing right in front of her because we can see it and say, wow, that guy's really lame. Like how can she, why, why is she with him? Yet she can't seem to see that even though she's right there, right in front of her face. And speaking of somebody who is a major doofus, I'm going to put Gideon in the doofus category because he's really hell-bent on inviting his employees over to dinner. And then he pulls that classic trick where they know their doorbell doesn't work. They know they're expecting guests, but just by accident, they let their guests stand out there for like, what, 15 minutes? It's so douchey. <laughs> uh, has this happened to you before? I just know the type. He cornered Elliot during the dinner party and he forces Elliot to let him hug him. Even though Elliot has made it clear a million times, dude, don't touch me. This guy Gideon has to be all paternalistic, but they're not a family. He's not his dad. You want to tell me what's going on? Not really. No. You're missing work. You're coming looking like that and you expect me not to ask questions. Look, I don't know how much you want me asking about your personal life. Not at all, actually. I mean, I don't mean to be rude. I'm just being honest. That seems to be something that Gideon does with Elliot, is push the intimacy beyond the bounds of what Elliot feels comfortable with, where he reveals that he's gay and Elliot didn't really ask him. When he starts asking about what Elliot's doing and the way that he looks. And Elliot says, hey, it's none of your business. He seems to be constantly trying to become more intimate with Elliot, despite Elliot's wishes. It's really subtle. I think you're supposed to think that Gideon's a good guy. He's kind of a good guy, an evil Ned Flanders kind of good guy. There's something not totally safe about Gideon. And speaking of not safe, Mr. Robot shows up at Elliot's work. Uh-oh. <laughs> Elliot, I cannot believe you work here. This place is a shithole. I thought I'd swing by, take you to lunch. Right around the moment where Elliot was talking about how uh, bugs need to be hidden in mazes, and he was pretty feeling pretty good about his ability to uh, move on with his life after he got rid of F-Society, so he thought, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that where Elliot felt like he was finally free. They, they, he meets Mr. Robot in the bar. They both order a terrible apple teeny, which costs $12. I think that's an interesting clue (laughs) because that's pretty cheap for two drinks in New York. When he feels he's free, you see Elliot running through Times Square with the song Steal My Sunshine playing, and he's ready to lead what he calls a bug-free life. Exactly. And then it comes to a screeching halt as he discovers Mr. Robot at his office. There were a lot of really amazing scenes. For example, the introduction of Joanna Wellick and Tyrell and their whole interactions and the fact that Tyrell is going to work at the Kiss and Fly Club. They seem to have a relationship very much like the House of Cards couple does. They seem to have like a working relationship. And so I just had a lot of questions about Joanna and Tyrell's relationship. And I love that she speaks Danish and he speaks in Swedish when they interact think that it was pretty smart that Mr. Robot exposed Elliot's bug, the one thing that he knew would throw Elliot back into wanting to be a part of F Society, which is linking Evil Core to the leukemia that killed his dad. Yeah, I think the, Elliot's relationship with his father, both if the way that it hap- things happened in the past and what he's going to be driven to to feel good about that relationship is going to be something interesting to explore as the season goes on. Yes. uh, I'm very interested to see what happens there. And I'm interested to find out more about why Tyrell is so driven Mm -hmm. and seems like he's being driven by his wife on a certain level. He almost acts like he was browbeaten for not even performing well enough. And that's kind of odd. And what what's that about? What's their relationship about? It's very strange. Yeah, um, uh, this episode does a great job of making you want to learn more about that relationship and yeah. what's what's really going on there. When Tyrell was basically picked up that receptionist, knew enough about him to know where to go and hook up with him. And while the receptionist was in the shower, taking a shower, Terrell installed FlexaSpy, which is a phone spying software, and that's what he is using to track the receptionist, also known as Anwar's phone, after seducing him. So real-world references. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and for people who didn't pick up on it, Anwar was the receptionist for the CEO of Evil Corp, Philip Price. Uh, and so uh, Terrell, obviously motivated by wanting insider information into what's going on and knows that this guy controls the schedule. The way that that was depicted was very realistic. You know, just simple things like making sure the scenes about checking for root, um, getting rooting the Android phone, using those permissions to then install uh, the spyware. That's all very authentic and very well done. Very exciting. And thanks for sharing that, Henry. And thanks so much for talking about this episode of Mr. Robot with me. I can't wait to talk to you more about the rest of season one. Yeah, me too, Margaret. Thanks. It's been great having a chance to talk about Mr. Robot, and I wanted to thank Henry, and I wanted to thank all of the people who have subscribed so far to this podcast, the Hello Friend podcast. I look forward to talking more with Henry about season one and gearing up for season two, which 
starts in July of 2016. If you want to share any comments, please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes or through our Facebook page at the Hello Friend podcast. If you like this podcast and you're interested in hearing some of the other shows that we recap, please check out the Zombie Jamboree podcast, all about The Walking Dead. And you might want to also check out The Orphan Cast, a podcast that's all about the pretty cool and wild show Orphan Black. Okay, enough grilling of the guests. Let's check on the real grill, shall we? Elliot, I could use your help. So, I have a confession. I had the sysadmin at the data center in Dulles check that server again. Gideon, what did you do? Of course there was nothing. I have no idea what there was to even be suspicious about. I mean, what possible motivation would you have to do anything? I guess I was just... Gideon has to let this go. If he comes near this hornet's nest, I'm not sure I can save him from it. I have to kill any suspicion left. You've been nothing but a hard worker for all safe. So, I apologize. After the conversation on the plane, I knew what was at stake. The whole company... I was worried that the DAT file I found wasn't the right one. I just didn't want to get your hopes up in case I was wrong. That's why I didn't tell you before the meeting. Shit. I'm going to have to let him hug me, aren't I? You're such a brilliant engineer, Elliot. You should never doubt your skills, no matter how much pressure I put on you. And you certainly don't have to keep anything from me. I care about you.